Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Freedom of Species would like to acknowledge the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, who are the traditional owners of the land on which we broadcast today. We pay our respect to the elders of all of the lands on which we meet across Australia. Hello and welcome to Freedom of Species. We are a show that brings animal advocacy to the airwaves of 3CR Community Radio. And yeah, today on the show we're going to be talking about our ideal relationship with other animals, what that would look like, etc. Before us you heard Sally with Out of the Pan and we finish up with the song Gender Optimised by Jude Stars. Jade. 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 (laughs) I can't read my own writing, but Jade Stars. (laughs) Uh, I think there was something else to that as well, but Gender Optimised was a song. It was a very long name an artist and you were scribbling it down hurriedly and I think uh, <laughs> you <laughs> didn't quite well. get it. But Yeah, that's right. Um, and yeah, I was out um, walking our dog who was here in the studio with us so I didn't catch much out of the pan. Any, um, any thoughts on the show, Katie? Um, you caught some of that? Yeah, just talking about I guess the rights of trans and gender diverse people to exist in certain space, excel in certain spaces. I'm talking about performing arts in particular. Yeah. Um, so on the show today, we do have Katie, you just have her, just heard is my partner and has been done a lot of animal activism over the, over the years. And we've also got Lottie who's been, um, on the show a bit recently as well. Um, thanks for joining us again, Lottie. Hi, thanks. And I guess Lottie was, I guess definitely not like new to animal rights, but I guess newer than we are. Um, and was also sort of asked us this question recently, asked me and Katie about what, what would things look like? There was kind of specifically in relation to companion animals that we're going to broaden it out to look at, you know, animals in general, what that would look like. As uh, in what our ideal relationship with other animals is, would be. Yep. Um, and if any listeners do have any questions, comments, etc., we can dr- address it on the air. If you're listening live, you can text in 0488-809-855. Um, and yeah, again, text in any questions, comments, etc. Um, I'll give that number one more time, 0488-809-855. And yeah, save the number and text in during our show, text in other 3CR shows, etc., I thought as a starting point, um, we could maybe talk about what our current relationships with animals look like. So maybe starting off with Lottie, and so that could include uh, domesticated animals, free-living animals. Um, yeah, it's as broad as you like, but what, what do your relationships with animals look like now, Lottie, in your life? 
Yeah, so currently I don't uh, live with any companion animals. I, I live in a share house. I don't have any pets of my own um, and neither of my housemates do. Um, uh, my parents have um, a dog and a cat and so um, I, yeah, have a bit of a relationship with them when, I, when I'm home visiting my family. Um, and... Yeah, I have, I guess, a few friends with uh, with pets. So Moo Moo is probably one of the animals that I'm closest with. And uh, like during lockdown, for example, we uh, went. I went with for a lot of walks with Nick um, and and Moo Moo and um, and Penny when she was with us. Um, and yeah, and I have a few other other friends who um, yeah during lockdown when I needed a bit more. Uh, yeah, contact with with other be- living people, beings. living yeah. beings. <laughs> it was nice to have some friends who brought their dogs along. Um, I think I generally, um, I suppose, um, I don't need to have animals around me. Um, I build relationships with animals that I know, but I don't really feel the need to have, like, um, a dog or any other animal kind of around me. Um, I, when I'm... I like walking in nature and things like that. I'm not really across like different bird species and things like that. Um, but I guess I guess I just know that it's it's good for there to be uh, for animals to be able to be like living in natural environments and things like that. Um, so maybe I'm a bit different to a lot of other animal activists, where I guess basically my attitude is kind of um, I just think it's it's right for animals to be treated well and to have their environments not destroyed and things like that despite the fact that I don't really need to be you know surrounded by animals to kind of get that kind of fulfillment yeah absolutely and I think that is a sort of a common misperception that that vegans or animal advocates have this real deep affinity with animals and need to spend time with animals i definitely know some vegans who don't care at all to go to an animal sanctuary and you know don't really even like companion animals aren't that interested when they see a dog and that kind of thing but um you don't necessarily need to have that it's more about like respect and justice and that kind of thing i guess the same as you know, you could, um, you know, respect refugee rights and fight for refugee rights and, and not know a single refugee or anything like that. Like, you can just have, you can more just see the injustice of it. Although I think those connections with whatever group it may be definitely can be beneficial and can be eye-opening, just like, you know, visiting animal sanctuary can be eye-opening, but it isn't necessarily required. But I think me and Katie are probably a little bit closer to that animal advocate stereotype. Because <laughs> we, we also love animals. Yeah, and, and want to be around animals. And that yeah, kind of thing. I guess yeah. growing up, I, you know, I wasn't the kind of person that, like, my friend would rescue snails from the pool and stuff like that. I never mm. did anything like that. Mm. I was very into social justice, and mm. it was just like a natural extension of that when I was, like, 17 to start thinking about animals after I'd already thought about not so much queerish, I guess, like, gay rights more. Mm because we didn't really talk about trans rights in the mainstream back then mm. uh, and feminism and racism. So, um, but yeah, we, we had cats growing up, but they were definitely treated like they're our property. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, let's dress the cat up in a funny outfit and let's like, 
you know, wear a mask in front of the cat and see how the cat reacts and stuff like that, and the cat would get freaked out. Mm-hmm. Whereas now when I would go home as a, as a vegan and a rights activist and see the same cats, I'd be saying to my mum about consent, like, she doesn't want to be picked up, just leave her there, mm-hmm. leave her be. And also there would always be comments about putting her down, like she's got a tiny brain and stuff, mm. um, and I wouldn't be putting her down like that. And then since I met you and seeing the relationship you had with your dog, Charlie, mm. like it was you were closer with Charlie than any other human. Like he was your best friend. And when he would be away from you, <laughs> Mumu's jumping on Nick's lap now, our current staffy dog, um, when he'd be away from you, he would get depressed and not eat for days and things like that because he really like loved you and you had this real relationship I'd never seen before. Uh, and then um, when we've adopted our own dogs, I've been able to form that kind of really strong relationship where it doesn't matter that you can't talk to them because there are some humans that are nonverbal as well. People have all different levels of capacity. Whenever people talk about humans being superior and they try to tie it to language or to our worship of a god or whatever it is, um, we don't realise that humans can have limited capacity as well and it doesn't mean that we can't build a meaningful relationship with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, but I also love to see animals in the wild. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we both went swimming with um, sea lions in the wild, which was an amazing experience to interact with them in a consensual way where they could come off the beach and interact with us if they wanted to. And we'd do somersaults and they'd copy us. And that was like the little baby wanted to come and play because they're all playful. Um, and also going to animal sanctuary and seeing animals that have been farmed and in captivity and had horrible lives that have been rescued now being happy and free. And the idea that I would want to eat them or exploit them or drink their milk it seems uh like it's unthinkable really mm. yeah and i think i yeah i i am definitely probably again very much the stereotypical anima, animal activist who enjoys spending time with other animals more than humans um <laughs> yeah you are you, you like our neighbor you get to know the dog name but i'm like what's the, the human's name you're like, i'm not sure i think it's steve <laughs> the dog's definitely latte yes that's right and um i even did have a bath with a cat once yeah. or a cat had a bath with me yeah uh, we were staying with some animal activist friends in england and the cat came into the bathroom and had a bath with nick were they yeah. on your chest or what well they- no they were more just like you know brushing against my hand they like the they like the water which like is quite that. unusual yeah, it's very, but very i think unusual. our friend um ellie ella ella, ella yeah. said that the cat would sit on her chest in the bath yeah that's right yeah yeah but um i believe the bath didn't have a the cat didn't have a bath with katie so i think non-humans tend to like me better oh, and humans yeah, like yeah. Katie better. That's, uh... Well, it is interesting how animals can pick up things because I know you had a rescue dog that had been very badly abused and she mm. hated all men, but she mm. seemed to like you. Yeah, she said hashtag not all men. So. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> she was like, she felt safe with you. So that that was very, very sweet. Yes. Um, yeah, I was, I guess, going on from that, I guess I wanted to just open it up for maybe Katie as a starting point and Lottie can add in your thoughts or any questions as we go as well. But um, I guess to Katie to start off with, what would our ideal relationship with other animals look like? In an ideal world, we would not be farming animals for food, for milk, for to make leather. We wouldn't use them in entertainment. We wouldn't use them in... Um, laboratories for for testing so um, we would all be living uh, vegan lives um, and uh, I'm not saying that's something we could do overnight we would be doing it in a way that's that's fair in terms of providing everyone with enough food and nutrients and everything that they need 
And um, the animals that we've domesticated that are unable to survive would would live out their lives and die and not reproduce. So we would um, sterilise, use other means. So um, we would never breed dogs. Um, we always have rescue animals and make sure that they're sterilised and they live out their lives and have happy lives and then they, they pass on. So in that this world, eventually, there would be no pets. They would all pass on their lives, live out their lives, um, and there would just be the wild living animals. So there would be the, the brumbies, the wild horses that we have in Victoria, wild birds, um, wild pigs, and... Uh, you know, controlling, I guess, the kind of invasive species aspect with other animals is something we can talk about separately, as in we'd still want to protect other species. But um, we wouldn't have any wild cows because they're extinct. Or rocks were the the wild cows that um, used to roam the planet and no longer Mm. do because of being domesticated and then killed off. But where we would have wild dogs, um, they'd be living out in the wild and living free, and they might interact with us, but that would be up to them. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I, I did want to give the disclaimer, this is definitely not um, not the views of all animal advocates. It's not necessarily um, the views necessarily of even all freedom of species presenters, but it also is not not just our view like we've come up with from nowhere. It is basically the animal rights view. Um, and, of course, that, that that term can be used in any number of different ways. Some people and, call RSPCA an animal exactly, rights organisation, yeah. which yeah. is really far from... We talk about animal rights, animal welfare. Yeah. Yeah, and I guess Lottie is in linguistics. <laughs> I guess knows all about this, about like words can have different meanings. So animal rights can be used in all kinds of different ways, but I guess uh, in the academic literature, they call this the philosophical or scholarly definition of animal rights. And it basically, to put it in a nutshell, and we'll probably use these terms a little bit throughout, but basically animal rights means we don't use animals and animal welfare means we use them humanely. I, I'd put that in inverted commas because I think often that process is, is anything but humane, but I guess in their language, like we use a them humane well. Is a- is is human defined that's in in the very word humane yeah yeah absolutely um and they, we talk about the one right the right not to be property because yeah. animals are property under the law when people divorce and they separate property that animals are property just the same way Absolutely. And when I was reading about all of this, um, I'm in sociology, but in, you know, researching animals and sociology, sort of underlying it was philosophy. So I did read about all different philosophies on animals. And this view was sort of characterized or caricatured, I'd argue, there's sort of that whole like, extreme and the center is kind of right. So it's like, on one end, we can do whatever we like to animals. And on the other end, any relationships with animals are suspect or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I guess I just want to iterate that we we can have relationships with animals without owning them. Um, and is I, I, again, I think that I guess going back to that uh, sea lion, it was sea lion or seals. It was sea, sea lion. Island. Yeah, yeah, sea lions on Seal Island. Um, but is there anything more you want to say about that uh, that example? Because I think that really I thought showed it was only like a minute or two. But I guess to me, no, like, it was longer that, than a minute or two. Well, how long? A few it was. minutes. Oh, it was a few minutes, but it was like, like it was. It was, it was only a tiny part of my life. But I was like, that is kind of what ideal relationships would be. Yeah, I mean, we do that when we go for walks and we look at the birds, and I like to learn about the the different bird species, and we see the other animals that we might see, um, like the possums. Um, obviously, there's there's lots of insects and butterflies that you can see, and then you go out further into the country. We see we saw an echidna, didn't we, when we went out to the yeah yeah the yeah. countryside yeah. Um, we've seen kangaroos and 
lots of different animals. I've never seen koala in the wild, but we did go to a koala sanctuary where we were with koalas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but that would be our our relationship. Yeah, and I guess not only the the individual seal who was yeah younger seal like adolescent or something younger um, who wanted to come and interact with, but also those who didn't want to interact. They stayed with on the, their beach, their yeah, little island, exactly, and they didn't want to come and interact and play with us. So I, I really think that around sort of like feminist notions of consent, that idea of like have consensual relationships where other animals want to interact with humans, they can, mm-hmm. but where they don't want that and have to, and I guess also that not wanting to interact with with humans isn't a death sentence because if we think about say the domestication of dogs as much as there were elements of reciprocity uh or yeah if that's the word but uh, two ways there was some sort of agency from the dogs but also there was also the killing off of any wolves who didn't want to spend time with humans who didn't yeah, want to be the reason humans, that dogs so. tend to love us and, and adore us and worship us is because we've bred them to be that way and we've yeah. killed them off if they dare to you know, claim their own kind of independence. Absolutely. So, yeah, I guess that, that sort of consent being, um, yeah, consensual relationships rather than, again, a death death penalty for not wanting to interact with humans. Any questions about any of that? I guess that's a bit of a starting point, but any questions from you, Lottie, about any of that or comments around that sort of uh, premise? Yeah, I guess, um, I guess, yeah, just some thoughts that had arisen for me. So maybe just, like, for context, like when I had asked you and Katie about... Um, your stance on this I think I have a bit of a I had had a bit of a like less developed um opinion of it but I I suppose like given that I don't feel the need to to have such a close relationship with animals I think Mm. it would be like less kind of uh yeah like tragic for me to kind of (laughs) like imagine um a future um where like we don't have we don't have pets um and so I was, I was wondering, like, if yeah, if it's kind of common for for people who do have you know really close relationships with pets and get a lot of fulfilment out of that, you know, like if yeah, people like you could kind of imagine a world where we don't have that. Um, I guess yeah, I it kind of got me thinking about. Um, uh, I suppose I've I've heard some some arguments or yeah, um, maybe some kind of like conceptualizations of a po- possible future, um, like. I can't remember what it's called, like Half Earth, um, the Half Earth Approach or something like that, where basically I think it's um, uh, kind of separating, like saying that basically like humans need to populate basically probably less than half really, but like a much smaller uh, like amount of, of the land on the earth and then basically the rest of the earth, like humans shouldn't touch it and... Um, and it, you know, becomes rewild and it's kind of up to then like, you know, the, the wild animals are able to kind of like repopulate and live without, um, so it's like, instead of the voluntary extinction movement where we choose to go extinct and don't bring new people into the world, it's like half, half of it. I guess, yeah. Like humans and half does have humans. Yeah. Yeah. And not necessarily that specific proportion, but I think half earth socialism is a, is a book that I've heard of that, that, um, is kind of talking about that approach. So anyway, I guess like, I don't know whether that's, um, and you know, I've heard people argue against that, that I don't know if that's like, we, like humans are part of nature. And mm. I think it, it is possible to have kind of a, a more, um, I guess, an approach where I do think it's important that a lot of the world probably is just like 
not populated by humans and um, rewilded and things like that. But but I think it is important for us to have like green spaces and um, connection to nature. Um, and and so like you know, I think my perfect future would be that our cities look really different. Like uh, you know, we've got like a lot more. Yeah, like rewilded green space, maybe like rooftop gardens. Instead of development, and, as yeah. in land clearing and destroying yeah. it, it's giving it back. Yeah, yeah, and but we're we're able to to live um, to live um, in a way where we're we're not. It's not just like oh well, is this yeah, is this wildland or is this like hum- where humans live? Mm. Um, and so, and I think part of that would involve that there would be like there would be animals around, mm. but I but I think that they would. It, they would be wild animals, um, so maybe like urban wild animals, but but not just not animals that we kind of like control um, and own. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we better go to a song there, but yeah, I definitely agree with that point about sort of challenging that dichotomy and not just being okay. This is a space where humans are not will leave the animals there, but also trying to make better spaces for animals in the environments we do live as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the opening song um, is I Want a Dog by Weezer. And this is sort of all about all the positive things about having a dog, which as Lottie touched on, I can really relate to, but I guess I would say in terms of our discussion today, um, we need to change the discussion, not, what we get out of the relationship, like where the privileged group are kind of reminds me of like maybe a man talking about how great current gender norms are or something like that, because we're kind of at the top, like we're winning out overall as much as there may be restrictions on men as well. Overall, we're the sort of privileged group and how can we change that discussion to the less privileged group? So I'm still playing for those, those reasons of like, yeah, humans do enjoy keeping dogs as pets, but what, what about the dog's perspective? So here is the song. I want a dog to curl up beside me I want a dog cause he would keep me company I want a dog cause he would look out for me Cheer me up when I don't think I'll make it I want a dog cause he tried to lick my face And he would smile when I get home to my place I want a dog cause sometimes humans hold it all inside I need to feel connected
ready to add your support during our annual Radiothon. Stay tuned, stay radical. 3CR Radiothon Fundraiser, June 2023. To donate, call the station 0394198377 or donate online 3cr.org.au. 3CR Radiothon 2023. Stay tuned, stay radical. Welcome back to Freedom of Species on 3CR Community Radio. You just heard an announcement for the um, Radiothon going on at the moment. So, yeah, our Radiothon show will be on 18th of June, but you can listen to... Sorry, you can donate to our show, to our Give Now campaign, to our Radiothon campaign before that. So if anyone does want to do that, the link will be in the, the notes uh, on whatever podca- podcast app you're listening to on the 3CR side as well. And you can also, if you're listening live, you can check the links on our social media as well. The links will be up there too. So today we're talking about what our ideal relationships with other animals would look like. Um, And we just had a song about dogs. So I'm going to get into a little bit of um, stand-up comedy, um, which touches on the relationships of, um, yeah, having dogs and also being a vegan. I'll be honest with you, Crawley, I didn't even know if I wanted to get a dog. I didn't even know if I was allowed to get a dog, you know, because I'm a vegan. Do you know what I mean? We're supposed to love animals. Are you allowed to keep one prisoner? So I thought that was kind of an interesting uh, thing. That was from um, Ranesh Ranganathan, The Cynic, which is on Netflix. But, um, yeah, it really reminded me we've had Zoe Sutton, who's a researcher in a kind of similar area to me, um, and some of her research has found that as much as some people are like, oh, I really love my dog and therefore I'm not going to eat pigs and cows and stuff, which I think makes a lot of sense, but also vegans going the other way of like, I'm vegan and I'm kind of thinking about animal ownership and using animals and and animals having inherent value rather than just value to be used by us and that kind of thing and actually challenging pet ownership as a result of being vegan um yeah I, i guess from your perspective lottie is that sort of a journey you've gone in terms of being vegan and then sort of seeing these problems later on or um yeah i think so like um yeah, again, like I, I've I've never um, had a pet myself, um, other than at home that you know that my parents got um, mainly just because of like commitment and financial reasons, I guess. But I think uh, it's definitely been since I've been vegan that I've started th- thinking more about more broader um, animal rights issues, and yeah, pets has you know been part of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what about you, Katie? Was it, I guess it was after, definitely for me, I was vegan for quite a long time before I started to think more deeply about sort of animal rights and then kind of what that means um, in in a deeper sense beyond just like not eating animals. So I believe that was the case for, for you me, well. it was very soon after becoming oh, okay. a vegan. Mm-hmm. So um, there was a vegetarian society in Perth and I joined the website and there was a forum and I was talking about Peter Singer and someone was immediately like, Oh, Peter Singer, you should get into Gary Francione, who writes a lot about abolitionist approach, which is we should abolish the property status of animals instead of just look at the welfare aspects. And I started listening to the Vegan Freak podcast, and that's no longer going, but they had Gary Francione there. And one of the things that was said quite early on by Gary Francione is that even though he has five dogs, he loves his five rescue dogs, dogs, uh, domesticated dogs should no longer exist. We should not own animals. So... 
that to me, it just, it made a lot of sense the way he explained it. So that was kind of, I was like, okay, yeah, it makes sense. And unfortunately there are more animals that need to be adopted than there are people to adopt them. So we kill about a quarter of a million dogs every year in Australia for no good reason. It kind of shocks me that people still um, go to breeders. It's shocking to me and it, it makes me really angry actually. Yeah. And people who claim to be real animal lovers that they will buy a dog from an yeah. animal from a breeder. It really and me I mean, well. I, I have, I know someone who got a breeder dog and unfortunately the puppy died within a few weeks. And I, it also kind of isn't surprising because they do a lot of inbreeding to make them a certain way. Like the way pugs are where their eyeballs fall out is because of all the inbreeding and they can't breathe properly. Mm. It's really messed up. It's really messed up. So, you know, that's why like mixed animals, mutts tend to like do better because they have more diversity in their gene pool. Uh, so for me, it was something quite early on. Um, and I had never owned an animal of my own. We had the family cats and then I met Nick. Oh no, I had I had I did have a dog for a while, and then she clashed with um, my stepdad's dog, so someone else adopted her from us. Um, but as like a vegan animal rights person, it's it's always been uh, you know the rescue dogs that we've had, um, and I definitely think that even if we agree that pet ownership shouldn't be happening in the long term, like the, rescuing a dog is the best thing that you can do for them because they can't live without us. Mm-hmm. We've, we've made them in such a way that they can't. They're completely dependent on us. Mm. Um, something that we try to do is give Moo choices about things, like give her a dog door. She can choose when to go to the toilet. Mm. Um, give, Nick gives her a choice about what kind of walk she wants. Where do you want to go, Moo Which way do you want to go, left or right <laughs> in, the, in this walk? Um, because she has so few choices. And also trying to teach her some words so that she knows what's happening. As in, she gets anxious if we're about to head out. We tell her we're going to the car or uh, we're going to go pick up daddy from the, from, the, from the university. So helping to alleviate that because she doesn't know what's going on and doesn't have control over what's going on most of the time. Yeah, I think even bringing her into the studio today, I think there's often thing of like, um, Nick Taylor is another academic in a similar field has kind of spoken a lot about the way we often talk about, oh, it's really great um, for workers when dogs come into the workplace because it reduces stress for workers, those kind of things. And she's always like, but what is the animal's experience? And I can do that. And so, yeah, certainly for us bringing in Moo Moo today, it's not so much, oh, people are going to find the dog really cute and stuff like that. It's like we've made a judgment to the best of our ability that she's going to have a better time being in here with us than being at home by herself. But it's trying to trying to reframe that, not like what do we get out of it, what's best for her as well. Yeah. I think about that too. Yeah, exactly. I mean, people often say, oh, your dog's lucky you adopted them. Like you saved their life, which mm. we which we did. But I feel like I'm lucky to have Moo Moo, really. Mm-hmm. She makes me happy. And she reminds me to be mindful and, and in the moment and just take joy in little things, like going for a walk. Mm-hmm. She's like, yeah, this is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you mentioned Gary Francione. Another person who's been key for me is Roger Yates. And I remember hearing, and he's been on Freedom of Species a couple of times, actually, um, a long-time animal activist and sociologist from Ireland. But he made the point once this was on an animal rights podcast that every time a domesticated animal is born, we've already lost from an animal rights perspective because mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. is not what we want we don't want animals to be born into the system where they're yours used by humans and then all we can do is as best as we can with the animal welfare framework as in like we try and do the best we can but we also acknowledge limitations um, another point roger yates made as well was 
the, the language being important. So I try and use the term free living animals rather than wild animals as well. That was kind of what he was advocating for because I guess mm-hmm. wild is like mm-hmm. wild, they need to be tamed. Mm-hmm. Whereas free living is like kind of like that's the ideal situation. They're free, they're not domesticated. And talking um, about farmed yeah. animals versus yeah. farm animals. So we choose to farm them. They've been farmed. And then if we can put them in a sanctuary <coughs> where trying to put them in the best environment we can but they're still not going to be free living most of them can't be free living absolutely yeah um david nybert is another one he's also given the term domestication rather than domestication Mm, domestication kind of sounds nice but he basically points to like the violence um yeah the the violence behind that process and we've already spoken about that in relation to dogs on horses for example like it's Mm -hmm. kind of very Mm -hmm. obvious to people say oh you got to break in the horse Mm -hmm. like that is a violent (laughs) process of like wearing down their spirit yeah um it's very weird that people are like, oh, but the horse likes me being riding them or whatever. Yeah. You see the wild horses that are perfectly happy and can run around and do yeah. what they want without having this massive human on their back. Absolutely. Um, we also, I know, Katie, you were keen to talk a bit about animal use in terms of people with disabilities. Yeah. And I want to acknowledge this is a bit of a sensitive area for people um, talking about disabilities, animal use. So if there's something that you feel like might upset you, you might want to just skip forward the next 10 minutes or just turn it off. Um, so I, I do have a have a disability, which is both physical and mental health. And there is talk about how it's good that we use dogs um, to help people with disabilities, often dogs. Um, if we're talking about the broadly animal testing, there's a lot of animals that have been used um, and killed in the name of helping people with disability and medical issues. Um, but specifically, the way that we use dogs, uh, you know, we train dogs to help people with disabilities and we say that's a really good thing. Um, but we don't think about it from the dog's perspective. And often people say, oh, it's good because I have like freedom independence now. Um, when really, like, if you could have like a human carer do the same work for you, um, why is it having that having an animal is more freedom than having a human do the same job and be paid for that job and be consenting to do that job? So um, I think that it is a difficult area for people, but I don't think we should use animals for our own purposes. I think we have to redirect that to be about the purposes. Like any kind of um, oppression that people face. So people might talk about um, slavery and using the slaves for their purpose. Oh, but they're helping this person that needs it. Um, It's not okay to think about people being less. It's not okay to think about these other animals as being lesser. We need to reframe it as, okay, what can we do as humans with our own technology and our own people to support people with disabilities? And also for me, there's, it's not uh, something to be shameful to say that a human has to assist you rather than an animal. Hmm. Um, We have to get away from that idea of it's shameful to need help as well, because it's not, I think like when I first, like I very occasionally have used a wheelchair and at first I was like, Oh my God, this is really weird for me. I feel like I'm really helpless. But then I I tried to reframe it. It's like, no, this is an amazing invention that's helping me. And I like, I felt so free Hmm. once I changed my thinking around that. And I was yeah. like, oh, my God, I can, I can be out for hours and not get exhausted and go and see all these things and not get exhausted. So that was just something that, that came to mind for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. And I think it is 
uh, yeah, obviously that sort of animal rights philosophy, which means we don't use animal, obviously includes that. But I think it's definitely obviously a discussion for animal liberationists who have disabilities kind of have that conversation within those communities around that issue specifically. Um, but I guess also to get back to uh, me and Lottie did a couple of summer specials around identity politics and sort of some of the debates around that on the left. And as much as we can go, OK, that's not really my issue. Like, I'm not going to advocate on that. And I certainly never would around disability issues. We still kind of have to work out how we feel on that issue. I guess just to give one example, I did see there was actually at a vegan restaurant, there was um, they're raising money for guide dogs, like seeing eye dogs. Mm-hmm. And so I guess both as a vegan restaurant, you have to work out if you're okay with that and as someone frequenting that you have to decide whether you want to donate money or not and yeah certainly from seeing guide dogs being trained it was kind of sad to me the fact that any sort of natural instinct was being kind of trained out of them to serve a human use as well so and if they don't pass the program then they'll be you know they're not going to be killed it's not like we with dogs previously they would usually be adopted by another family because they're adopting that other dog there are still dogs that are going to go and be killed because they're part of that breeding cycle and domestication cycle. And it's about they, – they don't get to make their own choices about their life. Their life is to serve that person. <laughs> it reminds mm. me of Bridgerton I've been watching <laughs> with the servants. Although, of course, like to help someone with a disability is a really great, wonderful thing. But I feel like we should be putting that, that money and those resources into technologies and into training carers and, like, mm. so many people do unpaid care work. Like, you do unpaid care work. Like, mm. you do all the housework – and sometimes you have to physically take care of me. Um, and I'm not even, I'm pretty able-bodied, like in comparison to many other people. So we should, as a society, really be valuing investing human resources and technology into helping people with disabilities rather than kind of breeding these animals into this cycle of serving humans. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and do you have any questions? It doesn't have to be around the disability issue, but just more generally around the pets or animal use. Uh, any thoughts, Lottie? No, yeah, I, I guess I just have a, a couple thoughts from that. Um, mainly that, yeah, I think it, uh, I guess the way I see it is that it's kind of a product of our really hyper-individualistic society that people are made to feel like it's a it's a strength to be independent and to not need other people. Um, and then because of that, they they rely on animals, whereas I think ideally we wouldn't have those kinds of attitudes and uh, we would have those support networks in place where you could, um, if you needed it, always have another human around uh, and extra, you know, like more developed technology as well w- would help in certain ways. Um, so have to have those things around um, so that you didn't need to rely on um, service animals. And, yeah, I agree that um, as someone who doesn't have a disability, uh, it's not my place to say exactly what the perfect models would be mm-hmm. for disability support, but I think it is, um, you know, like it is – okay and you know this is my it's okay for us to have this stance of well I think there could be a better model and so I support putting you know resourcing um into like towards people with disabilities who are animal liberationists for them to um have more of a platform to talk about their more ideal um uh way of being supported yep Uh, absolutely yeah and I think there's definitely it doesn't mean not supporting people with disabilities. It certainly is. Uh, we did meet someone recently who had like 24 hour looking after someone. They had a human with them 24 hours a day, a different person like doing shit. Yeah, so on the NDIS. Yeah, yeah. Where 
it's like I think the the carer said it's like a million dollar package. And so, of course, it should just be as much as they need because the NDIS, it's not means tested. Anyone can access it and it's not capped, which is so important. It should just be whatever that person needs and what's best for them will provide it. Mm -hmm. And we should do that with like housing and all these other things like, um, you know, the job seeker. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, I think that that kind of attitude of like let's put more into the technology and the resource because I think we can make things better without harming animals but I also um acknowledge it can be really hard to hear this if you are someone that's relying on that for me like um, my medications have all been tested on animals animals have died for my medications I take them because they're necessary Mm -hmm. they keep me alive and they keep me functioning um but ideally I think in the future we could move away from an animal testing model and to other models of which there are medicines that start to be developed without animal testing yeah, absolutely. So we're going to go to a song now, um, which is called No One's Going to Harm Moo. Um, sorry, <laughs> No One's Going to Harm You. Sorry. Moo um, <laughs> Moo snuck in there. Um, so this is Not While I'm Around by Edward Sanders and Helena Bonham Carter from the Sweeney Todd soundtrack. And um, Why also, are you playing this one? Well, we often think talk about this with Moo Moo, right? No one's going to harm Moo yes, about exactly. keeping her safe That's and right. happy. And so the animal welfare framework is not mine, as we've said, but we do. Yeah, That's all we've got when, once the animals are born. So we try and do our best within them, try and make sure nothing's going to harm Moo. Seems like the good Lord sent you for me. No, love. I felt quite the same way. Listen to me, please. You know there's nothing I wouldn't do for you. Say, if there was someone around. Someone bad. Only you didn't know it. What is this? What are you talking about? Nothing's gonna harm you. Not while I'm around. Nothing's gonna harm you. Not while I'm around Demons are prowling everywhere Nowadays I'll send them howling I don't care I got ways No one's gonna hurt you No one's gonna dare Can desert you not to worry, whistle, I'll be there. Demons will charm you with a smile for a while, but in time, nothing can harm you, not while I'm around.
that, Happy Tea. Have we had enough of this foolish chatter? Yeah. How about I'll give you a nice, shiny new penny when you go and get us into office? That's in your Pirelli's purse. No, it's not. Just something Mr. T gave me for my birthday. That proves it. We've got to go, Mum. We've got to find the beetle and get the law again. month of June, we'll be asking you, the listener, to support radical, community-owned media during our Radiothon. We'll be taking donations online, over the phone and in the station to help keep 3CR going for another year. Fierce, independent community media is vital and we need your support to keep radical voices and issues on the airwaves. The 3CR Radiothon kicks off in June. To donate, go to 3cr.org.au. Call the station on 03 or drop in at 21 Smith Street, Fitzroy, during business hours. 3CR, stay tuned, stay radical. This is Pressure MC from the Hilltop Hood. Hey, what's up? This is Safa from the Hilltop Hoods. You're listening to 3CR, 855 AM on your dial. Support community radio and subscribe now. Welcome back to Freedom of Species on 3CR Radical Radio. Today we're talking about some radical ideas about animals, um, what our ideal relationships would be, which are very different to what we have now. Um, In this final section, I want to talk about some sort of practical implications, maybe some counter-examples where we may sort of take care for animals where they might not be free living, um, but I guess not for not for our own benefit, but for theirs. And so I guess just one example, I saw this years ago around, um, it was one of those rescue TV shows, like maybe RSPCA or oh, something okay. like that. Yeah. And the, they found a crow who had broken their leg. And they basically said, well, the crow can't survive in the wild with a broken leg, so we'll obviously have to euthanize them. Mm. And I was like, well, in that case, I would be for not domestication, but, like, let's give that crow the best possible life they can have, like, 
you know, it's not ideal, but it's like, let's like, I guess the sort of the feminist ethics of care is very much focused on the individual animal. So as much as I do have this animal rights philosophy, I also think we should do what's best for the individual animals. And I think that is consistent with most rescue groups too. Like they, they don't, you know, they don't keep the animals there because they like it and mm-hmm. they, they'll, you know, they'll release them when they can. But also um, if an animal is not up to surviving being a free living animal, then they'll still let them live out their lives it's as very, best they can. It's very acceptable for what you might call exotic animals or highly valued animals, you know, tigers and endangered species it's very seen as of course like you said we're going to do our best to take care of them Mm. versus animals that are killed every day on the roads Mm -hmm. although i think there has been a law in i don't know if it's been victoria about the fact you have to stop if you hit an animal and assist them and call like wildlife organizations which is pretty like counter to all these things about how um how we really view them and treat them Mm -hmm. in general yeah yeah absolutely yeah so I, I guess I would differentiate that again and I, I guess to bring it back to um, an example a previous Freedom of Species show I recommend A Guide to Creatures in Your Neighbourhood with Zoe and Dieter um, and it was about the idea of like interacting with animals in our garden that kind of thing and I just think that is so different to um, yeah like you're kind of interacting with animals as subjects like we're all free living subjects interacting with each other as we like to rather than like owning them as an object so i guess like the distorted version of that is like putting a, an insect in a bottle and just kind of studying them like an object and i guess yeah. like yeah that sort of subjectivity rather than viewing them as objects yeah kind yeah. of like how when people white people would come and study the aboriginal people or other kind of you know tribal native groups as an object, oh, let's study what are they like, what are the characteristics. I feel like that's how we still look at other animals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, I guess in, in, in terms of practical implications, and this is kind of um, Katie's touched on this a bit, but I have once seen, it's definitely not a view I've heard from any animal rights philosopher or anything like that, but someone on a vegan forum when this issue came up was saying basically we should stop adopting animals because if more animals died in the shelters everyone would realize how bad pet ownership was and the institution wouldn't continue and i mm-hmm. i just think practically that's not true it's like if already thousands are being killed Quarter of a what, million yeah, every year what, what, what would it make if a few more first of all on a practical basis but again i think that really ignores the the again the, the individual ethics of care if for that, that was admin, you yeah. suffering would you say yeah let me all die for the greater good yeah or would you say well keep advocating to end this um, constant enslavement, but Mm -hmm. I want to, like, live out my life. Absolutely. So whether you totally agree with, totally disagree with us or, or, yeah, maybe you think, you know, living with with pets or companion animals is great it doesn't really like it doesn't really matter at the end of the day what your view is the action is still the same in terms of rescue rather than buying or breeding they shouldn't pay the price for something that we have brought onto them absolutely yeah um and i think the the final point i'll make is in a way i've enjoyed addressing this today um but at other times i feel like talking about animal rights in an advocacy perspective sometimes i spend all my time talking about very like niche uses of animals in terms of like you talk about oh we don't use animals there's something people's mind goes like what is like the the weakest argument there and they'll talk about that so you spend all your time talking about these very niche uses Being on of, deserted island. or no like police horses or oh, seeing right. I, yeah. I mean police horse I'm pretty, I'm, that's pretty blatant to me that's pretty obvious one for me actually but 
um, like seeing eye dogs or something like, like and so these kind of very sort of small number of animals use and kind of and people focus on that and so you spend the whole interview talking about seeing eye dogs rather than talking about meat and dairy and these and kind the of things. And the billions. Yeah, exactly. It's, so the numbers are kind of extraordinary. I think it is important to do this occasionally and we did a show with Mexi a while ago talking about working for the future and what we want. So I think it is important to do that, particularly amongst animal activists. But, um, yeah, I'm wondering, and, and that's why I kind of shifted to talk more about veganism, which should include adopting companion animals. But and any of you, any final thoughts on anything, but also particularly, I guess, the idea of, I guess, the logistics of tackling these issues and other forms of messaging, that kind of thing. Any final thoughts? I think that you're right in terms of, the kinds of people that want to bring our messaging down would want to focus on little niche things and try to get you off topic. So I think keep your messaging clear, which is that animals have the right not to be our property. Um, People like to talk about, if you say, look, horse horse racing should be abolished, they're like, oh, but there was this horse that was saved that lives a happy life now. When you can clearly see them being shot in the field, for me, it's they're kind of trying to draw your attention away from the main issue. Mm -hmm. And... I think if you're someone who wants to continue using a seeing eye dog, I'm not really going to come down on you harshly and start. Oh, this wasn't someone who was using it. It was you. more just someone who was interviewing right. me. It was like, oh, what about, like, this is the but best can, possible use of But we can still talk about what that person is eating every day. Mm-hmm. Um, and I should also say that if something is essential, like medications tested on animals, it's still considered to be a vegan to use that, to use things that are tested on animals because it's essential for your life. We're talking about. Making it the the what to me is a fairly simple choice between are you going to eat chickpeas or chicken like mm-hmm. that that's what what the main messaging of veganism really comes down to. Any final thoughts, Lottie, about yeah, mattering? just like yeah, I guess reiterating that veganism is um, removing all use of animals as much as is practical and practicable, and so if it's not practical in our current time to not use service animals, for example, then that doesn't exclude veganism. But, um, you know, um, you, yeah, you would want to, like, think, think of your think broader alternatives, attitudes. I guess. Yeah, and like, still just think like of, animal testing. And yeah, think of yeah. alternatives. So I think it is important to kind of consider, like, what is, what is the best um, approach for things in like today with the way things are. So uh, that currently in terms of pet ownership is – um, ad- you know, if you if you want a pet, um, adopting a rescue animal, um, but that doesn't contradict with what we think an ideal future could and should be. Absolutely. Yeah, and we should also be careful not to come down too harshly on people who are already extremely vulnerable in our society. Um, so I think those there are those issues to be aware of. The main thing is usually what what are you eating every day? Um, are you consuming animals and animal products every day? That's the biggest one really to think about. All right, we're about out of time. Thanks to you both for joining me today. Thank you. Um, yeah, thanks. We're going to remind our radio radiothon show is one to two p.m. on eighteenth of June. We're going to do an animal themed uh, trivia show, so you can um, listen live and text in your answers, etc. Listen live by the three CR website. If you do have any feedback on this show, you can email us freedom of species at gmail dot com or contact us on social media as well. Um, yeah, we're going to finish up with a song. Um, this is the best freestylers in the world by Auntie Donna featuring Montagain and Boilermakers. I've just been enjoying the, uh, Auntie Donna's coffee cafe. So it was in my head and we have had sort of a dog theme song in the dog theme in the songs were played either directly or indirectly. And this is 
it talks about dogs feeling love in this song. So that was my vague, a vague um, <laughs> connection I can make. Um, and the next show, you can stay tuned for more music, is Rotation. So stay tuned for that. I do have mentioned there is some swearing in this Let song. Let me tell you a little story about the three baddest boys of comedy. Turn rap freestyle prodigies. Now the rap kings of the jungle, like Mowgli. They came, saw a conqueror so hard. Arnold Schwarzenegger jumped in his car. I drove the fuck out of town. They tore the roof off like old Rome builders. They brought the scene to its knees like a goal kicker. They got the strength of an ant, but with balls bigger. Honey, don't all about that money like a gold digger. Fuck your pen and paper. They masters have offered a dome spitting on a spot like a road infringement. They freestyle, no writings, and still blowing all you pussies away like your phone kittens. Shark attacks, the most feared. They got haters hoping the coast cleared. Cause they taking these nuts. The liberal yeah. castrators aren't done about as motherfuckers in a rap game. Get them up. I'm so rich you can't touch me. Yeah. I got heaps of cars and planes. Boom, boom. I got like 50 hundred planes. And I got 20 cars at least minimum. Boom, boom. I take a car, put it in a plane. Fly my play around with the car in the plane Then I take the plane, put it in a bigger car Now I got a car, plane car And guess what's inside the car? About 50 dogs And all the dogs reckon I'm sick And they love me Cause dogs feel love It's a scientific fact Look it up and then I get that plane And I put it on a truck Put it on a truck Now I got a truck, plane, car, plane Truck in my garage Which is a double garage So wide, motherfucker hands up for the I'll tell you where I got that swag, my friend. I got it from Target. And then they go, Target, well, yeah, but you yeah. look like a gangster, sir. Well, I say, well, that's because mum sticks dimensions on my Ooh. pants. I said, Bob, I want to look like a gangster. Go to JJ's. Zach can't go to JJ's. They charge something like $70 for pants. Tell you what, we'll get some nice pants from Target and I'll put some Demontes on them. And it looks like I've got some diamond swag. Crystal and swag. of met so many famous people i work in the arts and i've met lots of high profile people including lindy burns at abc yes i have and i've met hamish blake and i've met rove mcmanus and i've met john wood from biking wars and i would have worked at the mcg one day they told me tom cruise and katie holmes were coming to watch the football and i was like oh well we and i saw them walk in they went into a corporate box and they had some party pies yes they did and then they came out later but apparently i was on my break but he was genuinely quite short and muscular and guy pierce was there put your hands up for the greatest in the world we only eat sumatran tigers there are less than 400 left in the world they all understand not many 
flashy cars. Yeah. I love to listen to Bruno Mars, and I've got some bras. That's true. And I go to the top. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.